everybody. Welcome back to Creative How, the podcast for curious creatives. I'm Jed Jesselin. And I'm Sean Flanagan. One of the things we love about doing these recap episodes is a chance for us to step back, reflect on, and, you know, basically look at what we've learned, discuss what we learned, how we're going to maybe hopefully apply it uh, in our daily lives as creatives, and hopefully you will too. But what is the most interesting part that I find is that we keep changing the outline and the format. I think we keep it fresh. It's not this kind of robotic thing. And I think you came with a really great outline today and I'm excited to get into it. I absolutely crushed it. I would agree with you, Sean. We are going to talk about some things that we learned through our guests, but we're also going to talk about some things that uh, we ourselves view as creative house. So we are essentially the guests of this episode and we're the hosts. We're the point guard. We're going to have to. We're the shooting guard. We're the small forward, we're the power forward, we're the center, and we're the coach. I'm a number two. That's, there's a lot of room for, for some joking there. And I'm going to leave it to the crowd. A huge audience listening right now. That feels like a frat boy humor. Um, it does. It does feel like frat boy humor. And that's something that we're obviously very against. Yeah. We, we heard, heard you loud and clear. Yeah. We do listen to our, uh, read the comments. our listeners. Read our listeners. It's weird. We don't listen to our readers. We read our listeners. Yep comments they'll figure it out yep okay so sean with that in mind let's just start off with a big a big bang what was your favorite moment of season three my favorite moment season three was this sort of eureka moment when jackie singer saber made me realize that just because i'm a designer and i work in the visual arts i can design things that maybe i shouldn't be the one designing the art that goes on my body now for 40 some years, that's been my philosophy and probably why I haven't gotten anything yet. But she made me realize that, you know, there are artists that specialize in it, scale, where it's going to go, things like that. And the fact that, you know, I've never made something and been 100% satisfied with it a year later, two years later, what have you. I'm always going, oh man, if, if I had a little more time, I'd do this or that or the other thing. And her point was that, okay, you're going to do that with art on your body. So why not just basically purchase art from an artist and have them put it on your body? And it's more like you bought a print uh, at a museum or, or whatever, and you hang it on your wall. And you didn't make that. You didn't conceive it. You didn't actually illustrate it or whatever. So you're not sitting there going, well, I would do this different. You bought it because you love it. And you can, you know, it has the longevity, I guess, to look at it and just go, yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, that was cool. She had some uh, really awesome considerations regarding her art that I think most artists, I guess to echo your point, don't really need to think about. So yeah, it was really cool. Um, what do you got? My favorite, man, this is so tough. We talked about some of the stuff beforehand, but I was just going to say, this is so good. shocking mm -hmm. that you're pausing here because we did literally discuss. Did I say what mine was? I don't think I did because I'm saying something different now if I did. Oh. Um, Maybe you did. No, I have, I have several other answers. To oh, when you when when Emma yeah. was. Um, well, that was. Uh, no, that was an eye opener. Oh, now we're gonna have to cut that part. Okay. All right. So here's my favorite. My favorite. This is sort of an odd answer, maybe, but Ruben Fleischer. That almost the whole episode was my favorite part of season three. Reason being, he first of all was ex extremely humble person, and. I guess if somebody has the right to be, it might be him. You know, he's a Hollywood director. He's directed multiple films, and he's talking to two guys who uh, he, I don't think he really needs to. 
So that was nice. But the, the main part of it was his constant and relentless trying of new things until he actually found what he was best at, which is being a director. You know, he, he literally said, I, I wasn't a good writer, so I found good writers. Uh, I wasn't a great shooter. I tried it, but I was a better director. Uh, he even promoted his own stuff for a while, but, and maybe he was good at that, but he didn't have to do that anymore. So anyway, it was just a, an interesting thing that he was motivated to get to do something. And he'd literally started at the bottom and now he's here. Well, I mean that I said it in the episode, I'll say it again, that episode encapsulates everything we want to do with this whole show. He could be our mascot. We still should probably ask him before we start running around there, but right. either way, it was, I think you mentioned it first. It's a, it was a masterclass in directing. So if it's just end to end education, inspiration, and just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just get it done by hook or by crook. And that's what he did. And I think everybody's going to get a lot of inspiration. If filmmaking is your thing, skip everything else. Go right to that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Question two, Sean, this is not about season three necessarily. could be Um, really hard question. What do you think? So you've worked as a creative for almost your entire career. And so you've got a lot of experience with different types of people, different types of projects. So what do you think the most beneficial trait for a creative person to have would be? I think uh, if I'm going to channel Jackie one more time, I think, you know, she challenged anyone out there that was listening in, in to be a tattooer, but I think it applies obviously more broadly. How dedicated are you to that craft? How, you know, she questioned, you know, dedication of some folks. Do they know their end to end history of what they're doing? You know, are they, are they so absorbed by it that it controls their life and virtually everything they do sort of influences that end result, you know, hobbies, the real job, whatever, like just, are you just living that lifestyle of, of what, whatever type of creative you're looking to be? I think that that is because I think you and I both do that. Whether we, you know, that we do this on the side, we do other things as our profession, you know, there's photography, there's illustration, there's writing, you know, it's, it's all sort of comes back into play at one point or another. And I think that's what makes great creatives. Like you don't just turn it off at five o'clock and turn it on at 8 a.m. or whatever. So I think that was a really good just aha moment. Right. Um, I think I've got one that was from Emma Klein. And I think that she expressed that at one point she said something like she, she thought at one point that being creative should have been all of her own. And then she realized that collaboration was like a, a huge unlock. So um, I'm not, what I'm, I'm not saying it's the ability to collaborate. That's not my answer, although I think that's a huge one. My answer is the ability to balance being passionate with being reasonable. And I think there's a quote out there that says, like, being reasonable never made anybody famous or something like that. I'm definitely misquoting it, but and I understand that. But my point is that in order to come up with something amazing, you obviously need to have some passion. There needs to be a spark. You need to dive deep into it. And I think all of our, our guests would echo that. And I've definitely seen that in my career, but balancing that with being reasonable and understanding when, you know, if for example, you have a client, when they have a, a fair point that you need to consider, or if it's your own work, um, if you're a painter and you get criticism from somebody, are they saying something that matters or are they not? 
you know, so it's just a, it's not a blind passion and it's not a blind, okay, I'll do whatever you say. It's somewhere balancing uh, those things so that you can create, create something great that whoever needs to be pleased with it is pleased with it. And she, again, we, we admired her because she felt wise beyond her years and you kept mentioning that. And I, I agree. And it's very evident. I mean, there's, she dropped a ton of nuggets in that, but I think she also realizes that she said it was hard. She didn't say it was easy. It's one of the hardest things she does, but the output on the other end also becomes worth it. All right, Jed. So after that, how about the biggest eye opener from season three? Biggest eye opener from season three. Well, the when we very when we first started this podcast, one of our goals was definitely to um, give listeners exposure to all all kinds of different creative jobs. And we knew then that there were a lot of them that were maybe a little bit obscure. But I think we found over the seasons that there's even more. And this was another one of those where I just couldn't believe a couple of the guests, most of the guests we had, but a couple in particular. We had Hilton Carter, who is a plant stylist. And we said this during the episode, but all you have to do is look at his Instagram and you're like, wow, this is something I never really would have thought of. And that I think is awesome. Another one, Amanda Johnstone Bat, who is, she works on dark rides. Didn't know they were called dark rides until we did the research, but that's like a Guardians of the Galaxy Galaxy in Disney World, I think in California, or uh, Harry Potter, Harry Potter World um, in Florida. And to learn the nuances of what she does, what her role is in creating those rides was like, she described 15 jobs so they're all creative jobs. Hers is simply one of them, but it was just another eye opener. It was like, wow, I can't believe how much is out there. How about the the length of time it actually takes to make a ride? It was six insane. years, six yeah. years. And then who knew you could carve out a niche with decorating with plants that, that come on. And who knew that you pronounced niche niche? Damn it. I didn't, I didn't know. I would have caught, I would have definitely pegged you as a niche guy. That's and I've right, known you for a long time. That's, that's the right way to say it. Kind of. Well, I don't know if there's a right way and a wrong way. No, there's a right way. It might be a niche. Yeah. But I say niche. Okay. So what was your what was your eye opener? Well, I mean, it shouldn't be an eye opener. All these people are incredibly successful at what they do, but work ethic, it just keeps popping up. The things, the lists they run down of the activities they're involved with or jobs or things they're all doing. It I ask this of every guest, and it's kind of a joke, but I'm serious they seem to have the ability somehow to tack on extra hours to that 24 hours of every day. Yep. How? So, I mean, again, I shouldn't be surprised, but I mean, just listen to Ruben run down what he's doing and listen to Hilton. I mean, he's all over the place. I mean, <laughs> literally in Europe, writing books, directing films, doing these things. It's, it's amazing and inspiring and somewhat uh, intimidating. It's humbling. That's for sure. I think we're relatively productive human beings, but you're right. These people are maybe on a different level. Okay, so we're going to shift gears quickly. Um, we've got two questions in a row coming here that start with worst. And uh, we're not trying to bring anybody down. We're just trying to be real here. So, Sean, in your career, tough question here because there's been a lot of them. What's your <laughs> worst creative regret or failure? And what have you learned from that? Oh man, I, I don't know if I have a good answer. I got, I got to think real hard here. So there'll be some editing involved. And when you next, when I, my voice next sounds, it'll be that regret. 
I don't know what my answer is. Let's think about this for a minute. <laughs> well, I, w- I would say, and it just comes with learning and I guess emotional intelligence. It's, it's learning to read a room or before you even go into the room, understanding the participants in that, let's say it's a pitch meeting or whatever, what sort of motivations they're coming in to the room with to judge the work. So hopefully if you've done that homework and maybe sort of already guessed or know, and you're prepared for when they either pepper you with questions or you're prepared to present it in a way that sort of entices each and every one of those sort of motivations. And it kind of touches on, so everybody feels good that their, their wants and needs are being met. I would say my biggest creative regret and failure is that, you know, it, I didn't know that early on and I was really just passionate about the work, the work, the work. And you, and it just doesn't happen or rarely happens when you can just go in, throw the work down on the table, not pitch it and just be like, you're, you're welcome. This is amazing. And the brilliance will just shine off the page. You know, I don't, I don't think it works like that. I think there are hit and miss moments and, and, and moments of lightning that it's just super obvious and it sells right away. But those are few and far between. I think we would all agree at some point you've got to do a little bit of salesmanship. And I think just part of that is just having some savvy and knowing the context that you're walking into. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I, the one I have sort of goes along with that, but it's, I guess, big picture, it's accepting mediocrity and, you know, I or my team in whatever form that might've been in the past on occasion have presented ideas that were not fully fleshed out or we found ourselves in a rush and we presented something that we knew wasn't good enough and that will always show. And it's, if you're not careful, you could think of mediocrity as the, the thing that's okay, as opposed to going into um, an idea full force and being really excited about it and making other people excited about it. And it's just a, it's a dead, it's a dead feeling when that happens. Even, even if somehow you pitch something, you know, sucks and somebody likes it, it's still a dead feeling. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're talking about, you know, creative and marketing, things like that. But I I do feel strongly that the people who work in our profession generally are, you know, similar to other creatives in that they want whatever's in their head and their heart to come through as best it can. And if you let that go before it's ready, then you're, de- you're definitely usually making a mistake. Well, as creative leaders, it's a, it's an exercise in editing. And sometimes you got to make the hard calls to not go in. I mean, it might on paper be great. It just might not have achieved that level and the time that you have a lot. And that's the, that's the argument against that. Like you got to look at the time period, right? What, what does the win look like? You know, and, and I, I hate to be, defeatist, but sometimes the B is going to be the win. And that maybe frees you up to move on to this next bigger thing where the A, it's got to be an A, you know? So I think that, that, that is as a creative leader, you know, being able to see a few plays down the road that, that allows you to make those calls for your team. So yeah. it can be challenging. Well, it's funny. Cause I, I think I was just thinking, you know, while we're both talking, I'm like, well, that's bullshit. You know, we're both saying that it's okay sometimes. And it's not that and it reminds me, Hayes Peebles, I believe, from season two said, you know, you could wait until your song is perfect to release it, and then you'll never release it. And then regardless, you go back and listen to the song after you release it, and you're going to find immediately things that you would have done better. And it's the same for us, but you do have to release that song 
or else you will never release that song. Yeah. So to your point, you know, you've got to get it done so that you can move on to possibly bigger and better. So what about let's, let's bring it, you know, close down the aperture for this current season. What was your biggest uh, failure or hardest moment? Well, I have, I have two. My, my biggest failure, these are both, I think somewhat funny. We, you know, we do, we do do a lot of research, you know, and it's, it's, you don't want to come in and just be like, Hey, what do you do for a living? You know, that would be a make for a pretty shitty podcast. Um, profanity number one for the episode so far, I think. Sorry, folks. Um, but David Alima, who is um, the co-founder of the Charmery, an ice cream shop, actually a, a growing ice cream empire, I should say. And uh, I asked him this question. I said, David, do you, much like other ice cream brands and ice cream shops, experience a dip in business in the summer? And he started answering the question. I was like, in my head, I was like, did I just, did I just say ice cream sales go down in summer? And uh, so I felt like an idiot, you know, we're recording and he answered. And so we're not going to go since, since Dum Dum made a mistake, can you go back and let him ans- ask the question again? And you can, you can answer the question again. I guess we could have edited it afterwards, but I felt like an asshole. Bottom line. Um, that was number one. Number two, different way. Different can, can, we, can we just talk about that real quick? Yeah. yeah. Because that, I, I want to replace my, I my, profound too, my most favorite moment of the season was <laughs> okay. when you did that. And, and the fact that I didn't jump in and tool on you yeah, that was, was, was an exercise in maturity I know, that I, I didn't know I had. Shocked. I was, I was shocked and in, in a way disappointed. And David, to his credit, a pro. Yeah. Knew what you meant. He nailed it. He, uh, he did. Thank God for him because uh, the co-host of the show didn't, didn't know what to do. I really was shocked that you didn't say something to me and I was a little disappointed because I think I deserved it, but you're saying it now. So that's good. Yes. That's good. Uh, number two. Number two, we were talking to Amanda, who again was the um, uh, cr- creator of, of a team of creators of Dark Rides. And I was getting real excited when we were talking to her. I was like, I, you know, sometimes fantasize while we're talking about these things, but maybe I could do that. You know, maybe yeah. I could be a singer songwriter. Maybe I could be like a designer or a writer of dark rides. And we asked her, you know, what, what are some of the things that you really need to know well to be within that um, industry and that, that discipline. And she says, well, you really have to have a great understanding of physics. And I was like, my heart dropped. I was like, I don't really, I don't know anything about physics. I did take physics in high school. I didn't do well and I'd never even consider doing it again. So I'm effing out on that business. And that, that is so terrible folks because no one loves a good Harry Potter ride like Mr. Jed Jessling. That's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah. That was a tough day at the office. It really was. Um, but, uh, Sean, let's turn it around to you. What was your sort of worst moment of the season, I guess? Well, I mean, hopefully it's no shock to anybody. This is, we're only on season three. It feels like a ton. We should have all the bugs worked out at this point. But we get tripped up every now and then. And this time we we chose the wrong bandwidth uh, for the Wi-Fi, which was the five gigahertz one that you need to basically sit right next to to be any kind of benefit to you. Well, we tried to use that when we called Emma Klein. And after the 10th time um, of Emma answering a question unbelievably excellent and it broke up via the computer and asking her to repeat it. I was about to basically break the whole soundboard in half. Yeah, it was, uh, 
kind of embarrassing because she's just nailing the answers, but then it would just start stuttering and, and pause. And we were like cringing and you'd come back and be like, Emma, we just need you to, to do that one more time. I was running out of, of like, I'm so sorry. Excuses. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm so very sorry. <laughs> oh, this great has answer. Happened again, we will start over. So I'm sorry. She was wonderful. The answer is yeah, unbelievable. Incredible. Oh, she's incredible. It was a pay, it's a pace killer too. You know yeah. I mean? Um, but once we realized what happened, uh, you know, now we're on guard for that. Like we said, two recaps ago, uh, you know, once we experience one of these hiccups, we rarely experience it again because we're on the lookout. Yeah. So we that's good. It. We crush it. All right. Here's another great one. Another great one. It's a, it's a tandem. It's a two part question. I don't know how to word tandem part, but uh, basically we ask guests often who their creative influences are. So Sean, here's a good one. Who is someone who is a creative influence on you, who you also might want to have as a guest could be a stretch. doesn't have to be realistic. I would say if I had to choose just one at this moment, David Carson, um, the designer, we've done some, I would say Insta flirting. Uh, he's reposted some of our stories and we've tagged them in the creators to follow section and, you know, I think he would just, he is a guy that has influenced so much of what we do that, you know, I, I followed all my life and, and, and career. So it would just be really great to finally just sit down and talk to him. Um, hopefully on the non five gigahertz channel. Yeah, or, definitely. You know, how about you? I've got two. I just thought of a second one. Oh, cool. My first one's kind of a no brainer for me. So the, uh, the beastie boys have been a huge influence in my life since I was a little kid. And um, recently they released a released a book, which I obviously have. And the one I think I've wondered a little bit about why I gravitate towards them towards them so much. And I think it's one because they they've reinvented themselves a few times, but also they're they're very genuine and authentic to themselves all the time. And I like to think I'm like that. So I'd like to learn from somebody who's definitely like that. And the second one is Reese Witherspoon. Reason being, she went from being a child actor to now being a, a massive, massive powerhouse in Hollywood who um, advocates for different types of people like writers um, and other actors, but also uh, advocates for women and um, has her own production company and is also obviously a star of uh, many um, great productions like Big Little Lies season two coming out soon. And I just think she's a really good example of someone who uses creativity to become better and also better other people. So I don't know if we're going to be able to get her on the show, but it'd be amazing if we did. I want to tack on one too. And I think he's been at the top of the list since we started doing this kind of a, as a farce a little bit, but now that he's kind of come into his own, Mike Flanagan, mm. the uh, director creator of the haunting of Hill house and, and part of your clan. And <laughs> evidently. And then, uh, you know, he's doing the sequel to the shining. So that would be fun. He's uh, kind of from Maryland, and and I think there's a lot of parallels here. He went to Towson, things like that. I just feel like uh, he'd be great to talk to because he, he's another one like Ruben who just went out and made stuff, and made it on his own, and then people started taking notice and, and trusting him with more and more uh, bigger projects. Yeah, you introduced me to him, and the stuff he's made is obviously really good, but he seems, at least based on social media, which maybe I shouldn't judge, but he seems like another sort of uh, – down to earth person yeah. who we both like, you know, we both like that. It seems 
Uh, humility is something we both appreciate. So that would be a pretty amazing one too. He looks Definitely. like he's pretty dedicated to his craft and, and we like talking to those types of people. Yeah. Um, so the, then the, the final thing I just, I kind of want to say, you know, what some of the things we, we learned in general, as we go forward in these future seasons, you know, I continue to learn, you know, from a digital marketing standpoint, all the things as we promote our content. Um, you know, I, I unlocked one of them being, I unlocked the, I feel like the riddle to the Instagram story hashtags, uh, where no more than two. And all of a sudden our views on our stories exploded, driving all kinds of traffic. So I think, and that's only been within like the last week. So it's kind of a high five moment there and just continuing to make our content better and better and creating more and more franchises and just keeping up on it. I know life gets in the way can be hard. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of our creators follow franchises, not been as, uh, prevalent as it has been in the past few weeks due to do life things. But, uh, I think that's just a learning. Like when we, when we commit to that stuff, people take notice and people re you know, respond and engage. Yeah. I mean, I think we're doing our best, you know, we've, we've reached out to people in the past who haven't gotten back to us. Um, that's honestly sometimes made me kind of hesitant to reach out to people, whereas you are, you never hesitate. And that's something I've learned. Like, let's just give it a shot regardless. Um, so that's something that I've learned. And we're worth your time. Yeah. We make you sound good. We give you the platform. We do our best to edit. So you sound amazing. Quality obviously is off the charts. <laughs> oh yeah. We're incredible. <laughs> I say, um, too much and really, really too but much. But nobody will ever know. Good. Nobody will ever know good. because I edit the fuck out of it. Well, you, the last episode I listened to, you could have taken a few more out. So I, I will. Yeah, but uh, it makes you genuine. It does. And I did say that I'm, I'm genuine. So I guess and you like genuine true. people and I like genuine people. So that's true. Yeah. Good point, Sean. Very good point. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to season four and all the future seasons, man. I, again, this is one of the more fun episodes we get to do just because we kind of cut loose and, and recap and realize, wow, we did, we did some shit. We're finding our niche. We've also sworn more than we have in any other episode. We did reduce that, I think in season three. And in just the past two minutes, I think we've surpassed the rest of the, rest <laughs> of the season. What I'm saying. I don't know what happened. We got on a little bit. I got a little fired hey, up. Hey, you don't you don't answer our our, our, our emails and I got our, a little our fired DMs. Up. Then you know what? You know what you can do. You can you you can just go to heck. You can you can pound sand. You can you can hit the road, Jack. Well, cool man. All right. Thanks again for your time. Nice doing work, all, everything buddy. you did. Nice work. We'll Crushed see it. you guys. Pound the likes or smash them. Smash the likes. Uh, check out some show notes and yeah. uh, check out the rest of season three. Thanks again to. Let's do this. Let's just shout them out. We got Ruben Fleischer, Hilton Carter, Amanda Johnstone Bat, Emma Klein, Ruben Fleischer, Jackie Singer Saber, Scott Sugiuchi, David Alima, and Roger Lima. Thanks to all those guests. They were great and uh, looking forward to all the future guests. Thank you. Keep going. Hey, Jed, did you hear our kick-ass intro music? Shockingly, that's out of our technical wheelhouse here at Creative How. That type of sick sound design is a White Noise Lab original. White Noise Lab is a music composition and sound design studio that works with agencies, production companies, and brands on projects for film, broadcasts, interactive websites, corporate videos, video games, and experimental projects. The chances that that movie trailer you just saw on you know, YouTube that's probably a White Noise Lab original more often than not. 
So whether you're looking to fulfill your sound design needs or simply need someone to collaborate with on an experimental project or maybe an experimental podcast, check out whitenoiselab.com. That's whitenoiselab.com.